Welcome back. We're here at the Real Estate Roundtable with IPRG. Um, we have Luke Sproviero here with me. This is Derek Bestrick, and we have guests today, Jeff Zanatti and George Giannopoulos from King's Capital. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in. So uh, how, how are we doing today? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. Uh, trying to wrap up the year in a big way. George, you're, you're a big morning guy, right? Is that what I... I'm a big morning guy, yeah. Nice. That's the rumor, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the word on the street. Is it a rumor? No, what, it's what, a fact. What, where did the rumor come from, then? Uh, Jeff is... He's, uh, he's he, he likes to talk about it because I put it out into the office. Uh, you know, I'm a big personal development guy. And for me, I, you know, I, my life changed when I started implementing a morning routine. You know, just starting my day off right, getting my head on straight, waking up earlier, reading, meditating getting my workout out of the way, just get the blood flowing, get the mind flowing. And just once I started implementing that about four years ago, it just, it just felt like my life changed for the better, my work life changed for the better. And since then, I've just been, you know, one foot in front of the other, just only good things. So so, so we're here, it's it's the morning. So so you got in the right place before coming in this morning. Up at six, meditated, right. red, hit the Amazing. gym. Yeah. So how, six, how long did yet? What's that? Didn't eat anything yet? No, no, I do intermittent fasting. I'll eat All right. two o'clock. When, when so, do you yeah. start eating? Because there's people in the sauce that do that. Like, like Donald doesn't eat until four. That's what he's doing? That's, he doesn't eat until oh, four. That's aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, that's aggressive. Some people go 18 hours. I do 16 to 17 on average. I try to push for 17, but, you know, after a while, like, I just got to eat something just to. So today, like, when will you eat? Probably about 1 2 o'clock. You have coffee this morning? <clears throat> no. So you don't do coffee? No coffee. Jeff, you do coffee? No, uh, no, I'm not a coffee guy. I'm always wired. Huh. You are. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I'm just wired all the natural. time. Natural. Natural. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, glad to have you guys in. We walked around the office. We, we <clears throat> talked about some deals before we started recording. But yeah, I just want to talk about real estate. Conversation can go anywhere. Just talk about what we're seeing in the market. I think it's an interesting time of year. It's, it's December of 2023. We're wrapping up the year. So kind of a nice time to reflect on what we saw in the past year, what the goals are for next year, what we're trying to accomplish. But um. I don't know. We, we can go anywhere with this. I mean, just before we started uh, recording, Jeff, you mentioned that something interesting you've been seeing in the market lately is you're seeing a lot of uh, joint ventures or workouts on transactions where I guess they need to bring in new capital. So you're starting to see more of those types of opportunities. So I think in the past year or two, there's obviously been challenges. You guys have been very active here. So you guys see a lot of the challenges, either owners that bought in the past few years, whether it be free market, vacant buildings that they couldn't properly execute their business plan or rent stabilized buildings. People have situations on a yearly basis where they have to sell regardless of market conditions. So I think that past year there was a lot of cracks with either people who overpaid rates, um, maybe expectations in terms of construction and in terms of their business plan. So in the past month, I would say I saw about 10 or nine joint venture opportunities on either ground up or in mid-construction type of projects, more than I've seen in the past 12 months. So I think more opportunities coming for people who are diligent and active and are in a good position in the market. And I think there's going to be a lot more in the upcoming year, and I'm excited. Yeah. Nice. One thing I think you guys can attest to this or not, I think in a, just in, in, an, in an environment that's moving, you know, in 2023, I think everybody saw the shift and, you know, there's no secret of what happened. And the last people to find out are typically sellers. So I think that's what, by the time the market settles and people understand really where it is, maybe from offers or lack of offers, you know, I think at that point, people just come to realization and just see what options they have. That's what I think has been happening. We, mm. One thing we've noticed, I mean, we got to that point, I think finally, where sellers were, okay, interest rates are higher, 
rents might have flattened out a little bit, and they're coming to you know the, the realization of where the market was. But now in the news, stock market's at an all time high. You know the rates, everyone thinks are on their way down. So now I feel like we had a few deals, not not stall out. We're obviously this discussion still happening, but people definitely think that we're trending in a in a direction that's positive. So it's hard to pull the trigger down. For sellers. For sellers. Yeah, it's definitely been a whirlwind of a past two months. Uh, past two months, we've done it. We're doing a couple of refis now where we yeah. went from a 6.8% refi to now maybe a 6.1. Yep, I heard that. It does definitely oh, make people think that things are getting better. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, in our humble opinion, I think these things are going to get a little bit worse. I don't think there's going to be any rate cuts for at least nine months, if not longer. People think May. Really? People think June. People I think there's this whole Biden bailout. I mean, Biden the, bailout. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the unicorn true. in the room is that there's an election year next year. So yeah. people are going to try to do things to make things in their favor, whether it's Biden or, you know, other people in policies. But I think that there's a lot more pain. I think there's a lot more loans coming due. And once this new year turns, rate caps and things like that are going to really create a lot of opportunities. So... I'm hoping there's more pain, not in a bad way to you know wish bad on anyone, but we're here for the ride and we want to make it a big year in 24. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. And a lot of every mortgage broker I spoke to, I mean, they banks still have a floor rate. Like they're they're still at a certain point. So I mean, you're telling me on refi six one six two. Like I've heard I've heard some people say that, but a lot of people are saying on acquisition loans that a lot of banks are at a seven. Like a seven percent on, they won't go under that. They won't vacant or occupy or income producing. Just like on loans. I mean, it's I think it depends. Yeah. Vacant for sure flow, not. Yeah. I mean, vacant. I don't think anyone's doing that. No. Unless it's like some sort of bridge or construction loan. But occupied cash flowing people are banks are saying, yeah, they hear what's going on and they're making more money on a spread. But a lot of these banks are still not loaning under seven percent. They don't want to drop yeah. rates no. too quickly, and there hasn't been a real move in the market. Yeah, yeah the five and the you know T bills have come down a little yeah. bit, but. Mm-hmm. There still needs a lot more way to go. I think once you see the five and the ten year under, call it you know four uh, percent or under, let's say three point eight, then you'll start seeing real opportunity. But I think right now is going to be still in that six to six and a half percent rate, seven percent maybe on certain lenders for the next six to nine months. But that's good. You know why? Because there's always opportunity. People have to buy oh, and yeah. sell. Loans have a limited life to them. Mm-hmm. And when you have groups like IPRG making deals, <laughs> usually we'll have either good opportunities or you'll save the owner from losing more money. Yeah. Um, what deals are you refinancing right now? Can we get into it? Yeah. So we just wrapped up a project, 148, 150 Clinton. We purchased it about a year ago from Brooklyn Law School. Mm-hmm. About 25 apartments. We had 23 out of 25 vacant, excuse me, 24 apartments. We had 22 out of 24 vacant. Fully gutted the building. Um, we're getting anywhere between seven. Two, two tenants in the property. Two tenants right now. The gut renovation. Yeah, through wow. the gut renovation. It was definitely a challenging process between. Was it? Uh, uh, asbestos testing and uh, dust. <laughs> And a lot of fun stuff you deal with when TPU, you have existing right? tenants. TPU. Yeah, forget about it. TPU is yeah, 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 TPU, exactly. <clears throat> but um, finished that project. I think ran it for about eight something a foot for fully turnkey 2B building. Building's fully more, more or less free market. And, you know, we're, we're seeing rates again at like 6.5% and we're pulling out. So, we're, we're, you, real quick, we're, we're selling unrenovated brownstones. Like, they're going to be condo developments, but we're selling those for 1000 a foot in that location. Wow. 900 wow. to 1000 I think that area is going to 
<clears throat> it's not going anywhere. It's no. like the Tribeca of Manhattan, of Brooklyn. It's never been bad, ever. Even my, when my mom lived in the city in the 80s, in meatpacking, all these areas were horrible. She said Brooklyn Heights, always good. Always resilient. Always good. It was never a bad area to live. It's also a little hard to be a fort for that area right now as a family. Oh, Some people I've sure. seen are, are going a little bit more towards Carroll Gardens and yeah. Clinton Hill, which Great is areas. exploding in the past is couple the of years. Can we can we talk about the details on this uh, Clinton Street property? Yeah, for sure. sure. So you bought it for nine six, mm-hmm. um, and you gutted the whole thing. So I assume there's like a construction loan of sorts. There's cost of capital. There's um, hard costs and soft costs. Uh, do you know what you're all into the deal for? Probably about fifteen. The the property is somewhere just under sixteen thousand, maybe around high fourteens. High fourteens. High fourteens. We've seen. Do you know the, what the income is on the property? Uh, the projected income. I think somewhere around 1.35 gross, somewhere 1.35 in that range. Gross. So, and how about the net? The net is just under one one. And how much? How much are you guys pulling out on the refi? So originally we were expecting seventy percent. Now we're looking more like loan 40, to cost. Uh, on, loan on to percentage value. on the you know on the equity invested, probably LTV somewhere around seventy. Now we're getting banks a little bit more skittish around sixty five. Um, and we're not pulling out that much money. How maybe. much is that? Uh, do you mind me asking? What do you mean? Like how, how much are you refinancing for? Probably somewhere around 12 and change, which is That sounds not, pretty good. It's good. Given but, the NOI. But, you know, a product like this in a normal and interest rate environment would be pulling out, it would be a $14 million loan. You'd pull out all your cash. But it's not a bad loan. because not a bad loan. It's a great loan. Yeah. Listen, I think end of the day. You can't replace basis. You can't replace basis. You can't replace location. So I could always renegotiate yeah. my rate in a few years or my rent. But the price I paid and the location will never change. So whether it's in year two or year four, you have to have a little bit of a longer outlook if you're investing in New York. So so you bought the deal. You, ra- you raised money, right? You brought on investors. And you did the whole renovation. Now, now you stabilize the property, so you're refinancing. So the investors are getting most of their money back. Probably about half. Getting half their money back, which is good. And then how does like the ca- the cash flow or the cash on cash look for the the equity that's invested for the investors at this point? I'll let you defer uh, that. You want me to defer? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know the specifics. So usually but. we return on the overall number somewhere around 8% typically. It has that's to, happening you on know, the, Yeah, usually about 8% of the original investment, but somewhere around 25% of what's left over in the deal. Um, on these deals, you're not building to minimum seven and a half yield to go through all that work. It's not worth it. Yeah. So we're probably in that high to mid seven and you know seven yield range. Um, but typically, the goal is to have that's cash on cash for the equity. Well, on the remaining equity, yeah, the remaining, remaining equity. equity, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the goal that's is solid. to really. It's yeah. Yeah. I take that. Yeah, that's definitely that's a good yeah. number. <laughs> Goal is to stabilize in less than two years, cash flow, and then whether it's the right time to sell or refi then, deal with what you have in the market, and then in that four or five-year horizon, that's when you really see some of the value. So so how much equity is left in the deal? It's going to be like two and a half million? About or? that. About that, yeah. yeah. About that. And yeah. how much, like based on the value of the property, how much equity do you think there is well, I think based on the market? At a, you guys can tell me, but let's say at a five and a half cap, which I know is a little challenging today, but hopefully, hopefully, in the hopefully next, we come back there soon. Get to there in a very short order, yeah. somewhere in the 19 and change range. Okay, cool. So, with a lot of hard work, you guys created a lot of value team there. Team effort created some good value there. 
I think that uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, that I think markets have the right timing, and if you time it right, you could do even better than what your expectations are. But mm-hmm. it's all about a waiting game in New York. I think New York has a lot of growth in certain neighborhoods, and the right buyer. You guys have found some really interesting buyers in the past few years. Done some record numbers. Yeah. Um, so. Who knows? So maybe, we'll get, what, maybe we're talking to you guys soon about other, giving us a buy. <laughs> one other thing I just want to hit on real quick, because you and I spoke, maybe it was about Clinton even before you guys bought it, Jeff, or maybe it was other deals. But you mentioned that you're, you're really trying to like add value for the investors. And one way you mentioned doing that is, is cost segregation and tax benefits. And I think you mentioned you're looking for real estate professionals as investors in in the investments. So is did you guys do that on Clinton? Is that the plan? How does that play into the overall picture of the tra- of the deal? I'm going to jump in about um, how we operate, and I'm going to let you jump in about the losses. So buying real estate involves a lot of brain damage, between value-add real estate, mm-hmm. multifamily in New York particularly. You have to deal with architects, lawyers, agreements, banks, investors, the construction, the budget, negotiating the deal, dealing with laws, dealing with regulations. It's a lot of day in and day out of just grinding through the process. If you're an architect, it's not easy for you to buy a building. If you're a broker and you're focused all day on doing deals, it's not easy for you to run a building. No way. So what we try to do is find ways strategically through the people we work with, rental brokers, architects, lawyers, contractors, to participate in these deals. Because otherwise, they'd be doing their own projects not probably being successful. Yeah. And this is a way for them to get involved, but also still do their legal work or their architectural work, being involved in a project that they're earning some fees on. In terms of the losses, I mean, it's something we've been dealing with for a few years. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a side benefit, right? So like we're targeting on our on our deals, anything from high teen to mid 20s, like the range called 18 to 25 IRR is our target. You know, um, nothing less than a high teen is really our target. We look at the tax benefits for us. The cost seg is really like an added benefit, and obviously, under the tax code, real estate professionals could take 100% of that. You know, versus mm. you know other people. I'm not an accountant, but you know, specifically targeting real estate professionals, I think don't have the time to, like Jeff said, yeah. partake in deals or run a deal can really you know benefit from those tax benefits. And aside from the value add we're creating. Trump did good for us when he was in office. Yeah, and um, you know the goal is to hopefully. Put a couple of dollars in a project, refinance a good portion out, take some good deductions, take that same funds, put it towards another project, take more losses, and continually having the same dollar roll over and over to the next project. We agree. I mean, oh, it's, it sounds great. It sounds like a really successful deal. Um, Are you cost taking most of your, your deals at this point? Every deal, yeah. every deal you can. Every deal you can. So if a building is vacant, yeah. there's no fixtures, typically no. So um, the more construction, the better, no? The more construction, the better, but there's two parts of COSEC, the acquisition yep. and then the construction portion. Correct. So we bought a building, 356 West 48th, that okay. we're selling now on Manhattan on 48th and 9th. The building was a complete shell, and we couldn't COSEC anything. And since we're selling it, even with the construction, our you know COSEC advisor is telling us not to do anything. But once you purchase it and there's appliances, normal fixtures in place, you can depreciate that from the purchase renovate it and depreciate those assets as well. So if you know what you're doing, there's a lot of value to take, not just from making money, but also from not paying taxes. And we try to hit both parts of it. 
Yeah, not paying taxes is like making money. It definitely is. If I it's could save nice. thirty, if I could <laughs> save thirty percent of my taxes this year, yep, that's real value today. So the first and foremost goal is to make money on these deals, and like I think George said, this is like an added benefit. We try to squeeze out on every deal, but if you guys know, this year we're at an eighty percent bonus. Fortunately, next year is at sixty and forty yep. and twenty. It's been some chatter about it coming back, but you know who knows prayers. Cross fingers. Could you could you elaborate back. on this? Because I don't know if I know the specifics. But what, what's this program called? With the eight now you're at eighty percent. So um, I was actually this, speaking the, actually last night with my uh, cost seg um, advisor Len Berkowitz from yeah, Len. Uh, from uh, Riverside. We, Riverside. We, used, we used him right. Very we good did. guy. We used him. Yeah, definitely yeah. definitely need to use him. We use him on all our projects, whether yep. it's ten thirty one or cost segregation, and. Trump enacted this accelerated depreciation. Mm -hmm. So instead of depreciating an asset in 27 and a half years, you can segregate certain assets of the property and segregate it in five years. Cost segregation cost falls segregation. under that? That's, that's what cost segregation Got is. Got it, okay. The way the government works is they look at over a 10-year horizon and they see where things are in 10 years. So laws don't always stay permanent, at least in the tax law. They started phasing it out. So... What happened was you were getting 100% bonus in the first year and then some bonus over the next four years. Last year was 100% bonus. In order for them to get rid of it, they decided to phase it out. Got it. So if you were getting, let's say, 70 cents on the dollar last year, you're probably getting 50 cents on the dollar this year and 35 cents next year and then so on and so forth until turns into a normal depreciation schedule. Because so. we, we had a net lease guy here a couple weeks ago, and he yeah. was talking about people buying like car washes. And oh, those are great. You can depreciate those in one year. Yeah, you can depreciate 100%. But not anymore. Now it's, it's heading down. Yes. Now it's phasing out. It's phasing out. It's yeah. phasing out. Car washes. It is. It is. So it's definitely going to be challenging. Um, and people are going to have bigger tax liabilities. But yeah. I think, listen, end of the day, it's gravy. You got to make money in the real estate. And if you could find other ways to really suck out that value, it's great. Maybe there's going to be some changes in the future, but let's see what happens next year. It's an election year, so it's going to be an interesting year. And who knows who wins, who takes the policies in the right direction for real estate. For um, sure. So you guys are selling the Hell's Kitchen properties. So what was that building when you bought it? It was a vacant shell, but was it was it an apartment? What was the CFO? What was the use of the 20, property? It was actually 21 units. It was a five-story when it had a legal unit in the basement, mm -hmm. uh, four units per floor. Vacant. I don't know how many years it was vacant. At least twenty years, I would say. The build out. Um, complete show. You could literally walk in and see essentially condition? nothing. Yeah, was that substandard? Does that qualify? Uh, that, that very substandard. Clearly, yeah, there was nothing there. Yeah, thank God, nothing there. So that yeah. was a clear sub. But it was a sub rehab deal. Was it stable? Sub rehab right? deal. Okay. It was stable. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember when the last time DHRs were filed or not. A while. But it may have been. That's how long it was vacant. It could have been 20, 25 years. I have to look back. But nice you deal. didn't. You didn't walk in in like one of these buildings where you have to think about it if it qualifies. It was a, a no brainer. Yeah. Walk in the hallway and say, "Okay, this is this yeah. is this there's no roof." No. Did, you guys, did you guys submit the uh, sub rehab application? We did not. Are you, we yeah. did not. We did not. But you're selling it. We're selling so, it. So you provided all the documentation. We bring an engineer. We bring an engineer that shows the, the substandard conditions or yep. whatever conditions there are. They document it. We hire an attorney to follow everything properly. Yeah. Uh, Joe Goldsmith. Um, and very nice. Yeah. I'll tell you an interesting fact on this deal. So. Um, Prometer family, you know, bought the corner of 48th and 9th, and they bought five buildings. Pretty good deal in COVID, November 2021. And when they bought the package, they didn't want this building. They don't want to deal with the renovation, so people don't just have the capacity. I get that, yeah. 
they gave it to the broker in January, February, and he said, look, um, I want someone to put down 10%, like half a million dollars in March, and close with me in November. Rates were very different in March and November. They wouldn't. They didn't want us to close for, because of their 1031. Their 1031, they, mm. they purchased it. They couldn't sell it. November 20, mm. or October 21, so they want us to close November 22. Got it. So no problem, we don't mind doing that, but we want to actually do work in contract, which is not typical. So we ran it for half a million dollar deposit, another $700,000 of construction before we closed. By the time we actually closed, we were about a third done with our we were contract. Framed up. We were framed up by closing already. Where did you get the, uh, the 700000 to do construction prior? Our own, our own money. Got it. Friends, family, our own money. Yeah, you just know. raised equity. Yeah, and not said, financed. hey, guys, we're going to no, do this financed. project now. Yeah. We don't have to pay some of the carrying costs or lo- you know, lend, uh, so, financing costs. So I assume you, you ran title, obviously. Yeah, we like, ran title. And, <laughs> title, and, title, and we're also dealing with a very prominent owner. It's yeah. not like we would do this with anyone. recorded the contract to sale? Yeah, it was, it was recorded in the contract. There was a lot of representations. We had to give them reps, insurance-wise. What would have happened if they couldn't close for whatever reason? You guys put all that money into the... Unfortunately, you'd probably have to go through specific performance, which you would have to force them to close. But this was a billionaire family that, you know, they're very known. I know them from my prior, you know, life yeah. working with them. So I felt comfortable, but it's, I think, selective situations. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you record the contract, you ran title. Dealmakers. You trust them. Dealmaker. Yeah. Well, so you're sitting, you're sitting up with half a million dollars tied up for six months. It's like, yeah. well, you got to make it up somehow. Mm-hmm. So we just, you know, fast forward the deal. We were, we got it done and we were leasing in the summer. Maybe eight months after closing, we were done the building. It's the way to do it. Listen, it's not easy running these construction jobs, but if I don't have to pay the bank and I can pay the owner, I'd rather give the owner a little bit more than pay the bank 9% today because that's where rates are today. So everyone has like construction stories and stuff like that, but what is your experience with doing all this construction? Like, are you guys, do you guys have like a project manager? I mean, I feel like obviously Derek and I have done a handful of these as well. Try to go to these sites once a week, once a day, whatever it is. But things obviously, it's not our business. We're right? like, I'm not a contractor, and I'm assuming you guys don't really know the construction business that well. Maybe you do, but do you have someone that like looks into this stuff for you? So uh, we have yeah. four partners. Okay, uh, our third partner that I'm referencing is my brother Thomas, who yeah. oversees construction. He doesn't have a construction background, but yeah. you know, being on a day to day, you kind of learn on the fly. Mm-hmm. Like we we, we kind of got thrown into this when Jeff and I became partners in 2015. We okay. bought our first building together. We figured out how who's going to do what, and my brother and I were overseeing <laughs> construction together. And then, as I pivoted into other things, my brother just took that over. Um, he's gotten a lot more ingrained in on, it, and that's, that's his day to day for the most part. He's running around to all the sites. We do have a GC we hire, but we kind of we CM the GC overseeing. He's helps with the designs, the layouts. Um, he's on site daily. Um, we started recently working the last two years with an interior designer we weren't doing previously, so that makes our life a lot easier, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. That's a big recommendation of mine. If, if you're not, if you're doing what a high-end is, project. What does this interior designer do? It helps with layouts, finishes. You know, we were running around at the time, you know, just guys grinding. We were running around from Lowe's to tile guys to this, bike things online to put the pieces together to a deal to make you look you know, beautiful at the same time, cost efficient. And we were doing that hands on. Now the designer kind of lays that out for you. So it saves a lot of time, you know, and it comes out much better than we would have done it. Yeah. It saves you a lot of time at the same time. Definitely using interior designer helps. And I think that if you have someone running a department, they own that division. So his brother really owns that division when mm-hmm. it comes to the construction, the timeline. You know, I'm dealing with a lot of the financing, the agreements, the closings. He's owning that department and he's really bringing that to be as successful as it can for either that project, that timeline, exceeding it. Um, 
Really, I think yeah. it's about department talent, putting departments and having people run those departments. One thing I could, a couple of things call. I could add to what you're saying, you know, that what we've learned, I mean, there's a couple of things where I guess hiccups occur that you've learned only by doing this is that, you know, any occupied building is always going to have some interruptions. You're going to have tenants, you know, tenants at the end of the day, anybody's remaining, they don't love construction. They don't love noise. They don't want their lives interrupted. So chances of them giving you some hard time along the way is, is, is pretty relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's popped up with us, any alt one we've done is, you know, timeline has been, you know, a little bit more than we expected due to the, due to the city. And, you know, anything I think comes with the city is tends to unknown. It's an unknown, but also when you add, you know, we're good at what we control and getting DOB and, you know, getting them to sign off on certain things that they're supposed to at a timely fashion sometimes doesn't work. So alt ones typically take a lot more than I would like. That's the what alt ones have you done? So, we did 48th Street. Okay. 48th was an old was an one. one huh? Mulberry was an old one. Why was 48th Street an old one? Um, was it Egress? Egress, we duplexed. Mm. Um, I think it was Egress and we, duplex. E- yeah, so the, the 20, that 21st unit, um, oh, we duplexed it into the, from the first floor. Yeah, legally. Um, nice. And then Mulberry, we had a rear carriage house. So the way the building was previously, it had two doors, one that led to the main front building and then a side door, which led to the rear courtyard. We opened it up once. We had to do an alt one for egress to show that it was one, um, one point of access for both buildings. And just the downtime with the city just took much longer. Than so that was the main issue with the alt one is just, just the downtime and waiting downtime. for inspections? Downtime, yeah. I mean, the work, everything went fine. Yeah, yeah. And just with, with DOB, unfortunately, just you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending on how they wake up, you know, they may or may not give you a hard time. That's just what it is. And the crazy thing is there's two ways of filing plans with DOB. Self-certification, where the architect takes on his own certification, doesn't go through a plan exam with yeah. DOB. And then when you're done with the work, DOB comes and then they'll either approve or stamp or give you some objections. The other way, which is more extraneous, which is what we do, is plan exam, which you actually go to DOB, you show them what you're doing, they give you comments, and before you start your work, they give you their approvals or their denials where you have to adjust. We actually went through a whole plan exam. We got everything approved, ready for a sign-off, and then the DOB says, wait a minute, how are we approving this? Let's which pro- change which it. property? Mulberry. Mulberry. So Mulberry. we went through everything that DOB said. We said, you guys stamped it. Yeah. We your, this is what you told us to do. Yeah. Now you're telling us Have nine months also? later. That yeah, you guys also? We got audited. So, well, we, a deal we sold. We, we did a sub-rehab. We got, we, we got our plan stamped, approved. And all, one of the permits like expired, uh, fall to the contractor, and yeah, then the they just, they, they're like, oh, whoa, 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 you guys are doing this because this is an all one, not an all two, and they already approved it as an all two, and this is like we already did the work. This had to do with duplexing. So, so we we fought them hard. Yeah. They, and what happened? We we got it. We got we, got we pushed through. It's a shame. Well, no, it was like all right, you know, like on the old six families, there's a door in the front, door in the back. Yeah. So uh, we took all the space from the common area and brought it into the units, so we only had one door. I mean, we got rid of that door. Are you seeing with the upstairs apartments? Yeah. Well, that's what that's what we got through. So yeah, Luke, Luke the duplex we did not get through. The, the second and third floor apartments. Yeah. The, the, when we bought the building, um, there's like a wraparound yeah. hallway where there's two doors to the apartment: the front door and the back door. But we consolidated the hallway to make it like. Yeah. Anytime you move a door, it's an alt one. Yeah, boom. Exactly. And, but 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 they approved this as an alt two. We did the entire job, and then they came back. So we we fought with the commissioner. We went down there. I, I went down to DOB like five times with my like GC, and they they finally approved it. 
so we didn't have to do it all one this week. Is, this is a lot of rookie it. mistakes. Wow, right. it's lucky. I mean, it's, but yeah. they changed it. They stamped the plans you know, and they changed. Yeah, but you can't fault you. I can't fault you for trying. You file it. If they yep. say yes, great. If not, right? Like that's we have that mentality to some oh, extent. Yeah. But you just never know. Like for us, that delay. So you know, so when Jeff left out was we had a TCO in June. We leased the entire building probably within a week. Ten apartments. Waiting for CO. And this thing happened. We had to cancel all leases, and we ended up coming to market four months later in January. Actually, what happened was wow. we came to market. Yeah, like we, yeah, it was a, uh, a year ago around Thanksgiving. The broker cost us a ton of money. Yeah, the broker basically told us, "Thank you. Don't call us till after the new year. No one's looking in December." So I think when you bring your markets onto units onto the market, could really also determine some of the success of those rentals and what your projections are. So. We, yeah, I think we lost about 20% on those rents. We got great rents. If you look at the building, we actually got great rents. I think a huge rent Yeah, we yeah. got, yeah, we're getting over $120, $130 a foot. But the fact is, um, wow. it's still 20% less than what you had. So it's like, you know, the hot girl who ran away from you. That's, that's what it that's, that's that <laughs> Doesn't was. happen to you too often, don't no. worry. Yeah, throw it in. He gets very upset. Yeah. Um, okay. when, did, when did you yeah. lease the units? Well, we leased it in January. January, yeah, January of okay. 23, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so we have a bunch coming due now. We, we were able to get mostly 15 to 18-month leases. So uh, on the renewals, I think we'll be able to make some of that up. You think the rents are higher now? Some of they should be. Some of they should be. Right now, I think, you know, I think we talked we touched about this, and it's probably a good transition point that I think we're in a softening place right now with rents in New York. Um, we saw that from October now. Mm-hmm. Um, when we launched Clinton. When we launched Clinton. Cl- when did you launch it? Uh, August. August, okay, August. which is the best time. Yeah. And how'd it go? I think that what we saw was for units, the units that were between six and 8,000 were went and sometimes above, above market. Um, the larger units, which were, you know, 10 to 15,000 were, were a little harder to rent. And I think that was mainly because I think at that price point, people had people have options. You know, I think at that point, you go to a brand new luxury building in Dumbo if you really wanted to. There's a bunch of them on the water just got built. So, and the challenge mm-hmm. was just catering to that clientele because, uh, you know, obviously I'm not in that mindset, but I think that people are just a little more affluent. They're a little more particular. Yeah, I mean, that's what people say. We talked about this before we started this. I think it's interesting because you're not the first person to tell me this. People trying to get the the fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars rents in these walk ups. People went for it. like at Greenpoint, Williamsburg. That I know you, you try to do it in Brooklyn Heights. People thought they were going to get them, and it's it's tough. I think there's a lot of options. Buildings. Like walk-ups, like I mentioned, there's a guy that I know pretty well in Greenpoint, beautiful 25-footer, condo finishes, really nice. For the garden duplex, he tried to get like 15 grand, and he didn't get 15 grand. Got like 11, right? It, yeah, it look, and it looked, like, it looked like a real apartment, obviously. It looked like you could get it, but I think in that point, there's a lot of options. I mean, 15 grand, you could do a lot. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe what, it's not there yet. What what are these units? Like what rented for six to eight thousand? What rented for over ten? Like what's the makeup of these? Two bedrooms, three bedrooms, and oh, but oh, we have all twos and threes. Mm. All twos and threes, just different layouts. Because the the building was a unique building and we had to work around some tendencies. We actually have a bunch of duplexes. Like it's a really we probably I don't know how to eight leave. floor plans, uh, eight different layouts. Yeah. Yeah, Something usually on a building, like it's like, um, you know, cookie wow. cutters, copy paste. This is all unique. We have probably have eight layouts out of the uh, 13 apartments yeah, that we turned, that we got it. Yeah. What, which unit rented the best out of the building the and, and why? Well, like, no, like 
like what got the highest rent and like what was it about that unit that got such a the highest rent or for what we were projecting? No, just the highest rent, the highest overall rent. The townhouse, well, the rear townhouse. That's not fair to say it's a space, but out of projections, like right, what did you? Because obviously the bigger units are going to get the more money, right? But what out of your projection, you're like, wow, we hit it out of the park there. The Is two ones, yeah, yeah. I think the two ones we, over, we we hit about ten percent <clears throat> higher, five to ten percent higher on some of the twos. Mm. Um, the larger unit, which rented for twelve five, we were projecting fifteen originally. Got it. So ones and twos. Yeah. The issue people obviously love ones. I think they rent the best for obvious reasons. You live by yourself, like you have a wife, girlfriend, whatever it is. But there's a floor, there's a ceiling with those, right? Like you're not the twos. They could take off a little bit more, right? It's it's easier to rent, and then you know as the rent goes up, like it's good. But there's there's definitely a ceiling on the ones. That's yeah, what I hear. I agree there with is you. A ceiling, yeah. The twos, you could either have a family, you could have a roommate, yeah. you could have a home office. Yeah, one bedroom is just there's a certain amount. I don't see people paying more than. I mean, unless it's a very luxury building, five thousand for a one bedroom, even that's yeah. high. Yeah, we're seeing that come down closer to low but, fours. And, at this and you'll get it, but then how's it ever? Is it going to go to seven? I no, two's will go to seven. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. Listen, I think basis. If you buy well, if you keep getting five, that's a good number. So I think really just buying well and getting, you know, triple digits on a price per foot and buying it at six, seven hundred a foot. The metrics work, but it's about really execution. I think that's where it starts off with. Layouts are very important. So for us, with George Gale to mention on Mulberry, we are getting like $135 a foot, but the layouts are so efficient. Took a lot of hard work with the interior designer and Thomas, our partner, that I think really created a very suitable space. We have a three-bedroom, 560 square feet. What? Exactly. No living room. There's a living room. It's not that large. It's in the kitchen? It's in the kitchen, basically. (laughs) It is. But there's... Heated floors in the bathroom, washer-dryer, dishwasher, wine chiller. All right, well, there's... So, what, what, yeah, so I was going to ask you, amenities, right? Like, what what does the best? When I say amenities, I, I'll throw in, like, outdoor space, right? Because you see people do, like, the Juliet balconies, like, whatever. Washer-dryer. Wa- yeah. Washer-dryer is the biggest? And then another dryer. bathroom. So, two bathroom, and then and then washer-dryer is the biggest. Dryer. You Those don't think biggest. outdoor space is the biggest? I think outdoor space is definitely big, the biggest bump. The biggest, biggest bump. bump. It's the biggest bump, but not every, you can't do that on every unit, right? Mm-hmm. The washer dryer, you, as long as you have vacancies, you can figure that out I mean, you have the space. We talk about Carlisle, right? I mean, obviously, it's out in the open. I can say that name probably, whatever. <laughs> but they're, they switched, right? Like, they're, they would have bought deals without washer dryers. They bought, one of, they bought one of our buildings where we had washer dryers in the basements. In the basement, yeah. uh, now, like, in the last year and a half, that's a requirement. Like, they, you have, wow. they have to have washer dryers in the ends. I mean, that's an amenity that I think they, you just need. They love outdoor space. People outdoor like, space is the biggest. Yeah. So we had a building that I think, you know, sometimes in this business, you just have to be in it to win it. Sometimes you buy a deal and you have a certain expectation. I think things just sometimes hopefully work out better than you expected, whether it be the rent or the construction or the sale. Yeah. We finished a project, which you were making a couple of jokes before about bed or Ocean Hill. I said you guys, you got out of the ghetto a little bit. Uh, well, first good. of all, the air is very good, by yeah, the way. Yeah, We've yeah. seen some good sales over there, but yeah. George loves to use the saying, like, we graduated high school and now we're in, I don't know if it's college or the MBA, but one of those. Um, we weren't expecting to sell our building on uh, in uh, Brooklyn, um, in uh, Ocean Hill, um, Stuyvesant Heights, Heights 60, thank you, 64 Howard. Yeah. Outdoor space. Washer, dryer, stackable in each unit, yep. splitter units, dishwasher. You know, I think people have a certain expectation of what they want to pay, whether it's buying or leasing. You do a little bit nicer work, a little nicer layout, a little bit extra amenity. 
you know what? My budget was four grand. We'll spend an extra five hundred for sure. One roommate will spend an extra three. The other roommate will spend an extra two. I really wanted to buy it a six cap. We'll give you a five seven five cap because I think these extra things that you do withstand time and they actually give you a lot of value over time. People want tenants to stay. Exactly. They're, if it's nice, they're going to stay. Exactly. So I think putting a lot of effort in the beginning of how you design your units is really going to give you a lot of value in the long term. It's not just spending a bunch of money, renovating your units, doing well on that. Yeah, it's good. But layout, to your designer, being very methodical on how you lay out your kitchens, your bathrooms, your living space. Uh, 48th Street, 356 West 48th, we had very small space. I think it's about 450 square feet, two beds. Yeah. So one of the genius things our partner did, Tom, is he created – the uh, the uh, the countertop to have a nice breakfast bar. Not it's huge, beautiful, but, but we love it's that. just small little things like this add up. For sure. So being methodical how you lay out can be a big part of your success with these projects. For sure. You, you mentioned the the Stavis and Heights areas. Obviously, I'm a big fan of that area. Like I, I know it well. I have stuff there. I like it a lot. So there's nothing bad about the area. But you did. You were right. Right. Like we sold you that deal on Fulton. We sold you, I know you guys bought something on Thomas's Boyle in Saratoga, right? Rockaway, yeah, Rockaway. Somers, Rockaway, Somers, Somers, Sumter, yeah. Palmetto, so th- these are, these Rockaway. Are, we all, they, we, these are J-Train locations, right? Like, you pick those up on Broadway, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the most A-C, 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 yeah. So, and then... You guys, are, you guys are betting on, like, the Broadway Junction, Ocean Hill market for Which is great. I like the bets. Yeah. I still yeah. like it. We, we I think there's still a lot of growth there. Same here. And I'm, we're not, you know, against it. It's just, I think, when you get to a certain point in your career... The same effort that you have to do for a six-unit building is the same for a 16-unit building. It's more or less the same brain damage. It's in a couple more toilets or mm-hmm. bathrooms. And I don't know. I think just we had the opportunity to shift into Manhattan. You shifted in COVID? Did, Co- did COVID make, make cause you guys to make yeah, that shift? straight up. I mean, yeah, this, okay. is a, this is a common – I mean, I can Very name – The most common trend that we've seen during COVID was this trend. It's actually really interesting. To I can name guys five people buying out in Brooklyn, like Lefferts Gardens or Flatbush yeah. or Ocean Hill, like guys like you that were buying like the Brooklyn buyers Dude. that became like, you know, then COVID happened. And honestly, I think those markets got hit the hardest, like Dude. Ocean Hill, you know, the Eastern markets, but the prime markets performed so well and then just exploded after COVID. So all these guys like you became serious Manhattan buyers and like bringing like the Brooklyn value add perspective into Manhattan with like. You know, some some fresh ideas. Yeah, exactly. I, I would say the trend is people that bought, like, let's say East Brooklyn, Crown Heights, Bedside, all these areas, now strictly Cobble Hill, Brooklyn mm-hmm. Heights, and then Manhattan. Yeah. Or sometimes not even Cobble Hill, Brooklyn Heights, just Manhattan. Well, we'll take the green point if you have any yeah, of that for us. So. Oh, I, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I should have mentioned yet. Yeah. But how this? What if, what if we have a property for sale in Ocean Hill at this point or East Bushwick? Would you— should we even send it to you? Are you buyers for it anymore? Or are you out of that game? I can say that. I don't know if you want to answer this, but like. the only thing I'd say is size. I just think that you know, to when you when you're at a certain point in your career, like you guys, you have to find what's worth your time. We have a limited time to time. Mm-hmm. Our, our biggest commodity is our time, so we have to use our time wisely. And if we're going to go and add million dollars in value to a six unit building, or try to buy a <clears throat> twenty unit building in Manhattan, or a much larger project. We have a limited amount of time. There's a limited amount of what we can do in a day. So I think really just the larger projects. Now, if you have a 20-unit building vacant, I'm all ears. We could talk about it today and start working on the PSA. 
And, and everything you want is value add. You wouldn't want any. Well, how are you gonna make money? Well, there's good cap rates today. You know, you know I know, but hey, you still, you still gotta put money out. You gotta add value. You know, that's an interesting, interesting argument we have with people. Like, yeah. you, you could build to a seven cap or buy a seven cap, right? At yeah, the end that's of the true. Day, yeah, but at the end of the day, we're still betting on creating that value. Well, how do you make the construction fees then? <laughs> Someone's gotta make the construction Someone's fees. Someone's gotta make construction fees, yeah. <laughs> You're just giving away fees. Trust me, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go into a project with less headache and not have to wait 12 months to see that construction finish because time value of money. Yeah. I think you could get some really good rates now. I think what happened in COVID, a lot of values reset. And I think that people's expectations just went way down. And people that were active and on the pulse that I'm going to take these projects down and I'm going to take a leap of faith. And our first foray into Manhattan was... 140 Mulberry, where remember the day very vividly. It was in Ju- it was basically July 4th, and a few things happened. First of all, um, this is the heart of COVID. There was no vaccine, and you know we put sizable amount of money down. July 2020, and in the newspaper in the New York Post, it said mass exodus from Manhattan, 20,000 vacant apartments. What they weren't telling you was the guys that had eight apartments had another four coming up. So really, there was 30,000 vacant. And I think like in anything, you take a little risk, you have a little conviction. Sometimes you have a little cojones <laughs> and things work out. And I think we exceeded our expectations on that project. I think we're in it for just under 9 million and the project's netting over a million. So I think really taking a little bit of a risk, having good thesis and whether it's the basis, the location, your business plan, but we'd love to buy seven and a half caps or things that are not you know, vacant. So those are definitely opportunistic now. And I think in a few years, people are going to be laughing that they bought these things at such high. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Prices you right guys now, have I think, are so, so low. We have a deal now that we're, we're about to sell that I, I can't, I'm like blown away by it. Bring yeah, it up well, here. Maybe this is a good way for it to get a little no, price. I, 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 can't, I, can't, really, I can't really share too much about it, but, <laughs> guys, um, move quick. but it's not the only one. There's a bunch. Yeah. There's, there's two of them. Where, like um, a lot. cap rates are pretty high. For new construction. As, as a function of interest rates, and I and I think just the intrinsic value and the cap rates that we're seeing, I can't believe it. So these are price I, per four, foot. Four twenty one A deals, like the new four twenty one A at, at I think seven cap plus. What type of price per foot? Seventy thirty. I forget. Yeah, Seventy thirties. I mean, the price per foot on there's a twenty one unit or twenty four unit, and then a bigger building. It's twenty four unit. The price per foot has to be fine. Like it has to be attractive. I don't know the price per foot on the other big one. I don't recall offhand. Yeah. Um, the yields are there, though. but it's, it's just like. These. I don't know. I just like now it's got to be such a good buying opportunity. Yields have gotten so high. I think the intrinsic value is just definitely there. You just got to hope that rates come down. And if it, they do, it, there's, you know. They will. They will. It's not a matter of yeah, rates right? go we, from, we believe. We wouldn't, I don't think we'd be in this business if we didn't believe that. Rates go from six and a half or cap rates go from six and a half to five and a half. There's, there's a nice spread to be made there. So I think that's I, pretty, yeah. pretty exciting. I didn't realize like when I was a young professional in this business, like how – Interest rates affect the market so much. Like, it, it now it's just so obvious. It's like, oh, you you try to buy when the rates are really high because they'll come down, and then you if you're buying when rates are really really low, I mean, you're probably paying a lot. Overpaying. Your purchase is an instrument of what the lending environment yeah. is. But and there's like a lot of moving factors. Like they have they have like a lot of risks. I feel like in the market. Just where? Like, well, just like in general, I think interest rates for and like sure. what's the real value of a property. I think that's a big risk for investors and. 
the, the rental market as well. Like, what are the real rents? Is it is it top of the market rents? Is is it a pullback? So I think. We, and what are the laws going to be? Are they going to yeah, come out? Oh, these, man, make the, up all these the new good, rules. Good costs, it's so, not getting easier, gentlemen. It's so not think, getting yeah. easier. But can it get harder? I mean, can it, it get harder? harder? I don't want to say that because you know what? Differences, no, in, small differences in rents and interest rates, turn into big swings in value. I know, but things. I mean, you guys obviously are doing a great job in the rentals, and I think you have a really good reputation. Yeah, I want to say that about because I, I looked at all your stuff before you guys came, in, and I knew a lot of it too. And I love looking at renovations and Street Easy, and I looked at Clinton, I looked at Mulberry. I was very impressed with the layouts, the the finishes, the renovations, and a lot of people just aren't putting out product like that. So I, I was I was Thank very you. impressed. Thank you. Appreciate a lot of hard work, especially yeah. And I like Clinton. The finishes are very nice. You got to have a good vision. Like yep. I said, we have a good team. We, I don't want to be honest. No credit to me. A yeah. lot of it is my partner Thomas, who really had a lot of vision and design to it. Yeah. When it comes to instrumenting the, the construction, the business plan, the financing, we all have our roles, and I think that's how you're going to succeed: is having a good team behind you, having people that are going to show up every day, be committed, and be able to exceed in what they're looking to do in that department. So I think you guys built a great company here. I think you guys Thank have you. a lot of different divisions. You have a lot of people that focus on different markets. Yeah, we do. You guys used to be the dominating broker in Brooklyn. Now you guys are not only Brooklyn, but also doing a lot of Manhattan, sitting in your beautiful office at Queens, 45 Broadway. Bronx, Bronx, Bronx yeah. Jersey. Guys, Jersey. I mean, you guys are... We have a retail leasing... These guys are going to be the staple brokers in we New York. We have 65 seats here. This we got to fill this place. We, fill they're they're hiring. Space. If you guys are looking for it, we're hiring a yeah. few more people. We'll start yeah. interviews next week. Exactly. Call Zach Gullib. Got it. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got to fit the core values of the company, though. 100%. 100%. Be, I love your core values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Um, you guys bought a deal in Houston, too, though, right? Oh, yeah. True. So, so, about, so what's that all about? I don't know anything about these deals. You know Texas a little bit. Well, I of course I know Texas, but I don't know about these deals. You don't know about these deals. And also, our accountant um, Ed Secker was big on buying in Houston. Well, I mean, he's not he's not finished. He he oh, yeah, he preaches built, Houston. He'll do anything. He bought it. Big oh, Houston, and, really? And oh, like he, Grant Cardone you should connect about our Houston. accountant. He'll call us. Oh, Ed Secker. I mean, he, he he's, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. Right on there. Yeah, he oh, yeah. owns hundreds of units. He's, he knows he's himself. So. Oh yeah, he's got, he's got the guy's got a real business. It's nice. Look at those helicopters. Ed, Ed, Ed Secker has, has some real. I mean, they're looking for us. They're taking videos of the podcast. I love yeah. the good angles. Yeah. Oh Is that the drone? So, um, just like in anything in business, you always look to progress. And I feel like if you're not progressing, you're regressing. So you just yeah. have to look of how I'm gonna either do things bigger or more efficient or better. We wanted to get into some larger projects. Um, the only way to do that, I think, to be able to mitigate either rent regulation or tax implications, because when you're over 10 units, you're not a 2B protected tax class, and the city essentially becomes your partner. 25%, give or take, of your income goes to taxes. Usually when you're over you know, six units, you're unstabilized, and it's very hard to find you know, a 50-unit building that's fully free market or vacant. So in these states... There is more favorable rent, uh, laws for landlords in terms of evictions and non-paying tenants. And we were able to take down, I think, in our first purchase, about 202 units. In our second purchase, 115. And the thought process is it's easier to add 20 or $50 in value to 200 apartments, which can equate to $400,000 in income, give or take, versus trying to break our head on 10-unit building where you're adding, you know, Four hundred thousand. Yeah, that's that's like the the Cardone thing. I mean, I, I yeah, obviously I think he's very smart, but yeah, he's like, listen, you buy a four hundred, five hundred unit building. All I do is I put 
washer dryers and all of them, and I increase the rent 40 bucks, but 40 times 400, you're talking. So yep. the yeah. only issue in that market, a few issues, yeah. but one of the issues is people take floating debt. Yeah. And this end of this year, there's a thing called rate caps, which you don't see them in New York. No, you don't see that in New York. So what it is basically, it's a insurance you buy when you close your project. And when we were closing our deal, it was a $250,000 rate cap. And I was like, what are you spending? How much was the rate cap? Like, what were the details of that? So I think our rate was 4.7, and it capped us at 5.8. And now On our rate, floating rate. And a floating rate. But now, it cost how much? 250 up front, day one. Did you do it? We did yeah, it. did it. Thank God. Our rate is at 5.8 instead of 8.8. So you capped it at 5.8. Our rate cap is actually worth about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh wow! What does people, that mean? How do, how do you calculate that? Explain so that. it's like buying insurance protection for rates going up. A bank will say, "Hey," or insurance company will say, "Hey, we'll take the premium upfront two fifty. Maybe your rates will go up in six months, twelve months, twenty months, but we have that two fifty today as cash liquid to do what we want with it. When it does go up, we'll compensate or we'll make up that difference of anything over." that limit of the rate cap. So we went from four seven or four eight to five eight instead of eight eight. <laughs> the banks or that insurance company's paying it every month. We sell the project. Damn. Love it. That insurance still has another year left on it. It's worth seven hundred thousand given where the rates have went. So I know people that sold projects and they made two, you know, maybe sixty percent on their return on the project and they made three hundred percent return on their rate How cap. How big was the loan? Our loan? Yeah, when you bought it. was about it, a $17 million loan. Got it. So $17 million, $250 is not a huge it's number. It's not huge, but when you're spending $250 day one and you're not expecting that, so it's... Out of, out of, can, yeah. Can you guys elaborate on like that conversation? Like back then when rates... there, I don't think there's any like clear indication that rates are going to shoot up so there much. There's never an indication and, of how and high. And to yeah. spend 250000 on an insurance policy? So we didn't know what it was well, we getting into. It, like we hadn't done one of these before. Yeah. And then the bank actually mandated it. It was, it was part of, the, it was part of their, their requirement to close mm. the loan. So they enforced it to some extent. And we were like, you know, this, do we have to pay that? The wall, you, you look at the dollars, right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, it ended up being a no-brainer. It was the best oh, no decision brainer. we made. Wow. And what's happening is... So it was equity you guys had to come up with, the 250 Yeah, well, it was part of the closing. It was, part of the, yeah, it was yeah. part of the equity stack. But what's yeah. happening now is, you know, the Grant Cardones or the other operators of the world, and I'll tell you a funny story in a minute about them, uh, their loans or rate caps are coming due. And even though they made this value the shift in interest rates shifted so much that maybe they were at a four cap and they're expecting to sell at a five and a half cap. Well, mm -hmm. now the market's a six and a quarter cap. Yep. How do they make sense of this? I have no idea. So I don't know how Greg Cardone makes money. I, I think really after December 31st, there's going to be a lot more pain out of New York, unfortunately, but it's going to be interesting. Um, well, what I'm, about there's one big thing you didn't mention. You said there's two. Oh, there's two. So I think it's, Floating rate, yeah, and it's rate caps. I think some people have floating rates where they don't anticipate it. Some groups say, "I'm not taking a rate cap. If I end up getting hit, I'll pay it out of pocket." Well, isn't See, the, isn't the rate cap like a million dollars on some of these loans now because the way rates are on smaller loans? They went to some really crazy. They're like million dollars. I'd rather pay this money over time. Well, if they have to be held to hold it longer, and they can't refinance, they could be paying well over a million dollars. What, I, what I've heard a lot about, you see it a little bit in New York now, and obviously when you buy out of New York, it's about yield, right? So anything to put a hole in your yield is not good, but insurance. Like, isn't insurance like insane for these big complexes out, out and, and they went up so much, and that, that right? You're, you're touching the source subject. You so, said too, I thought you were going to mention insurance. Actually, you know what? <laughs> insurance presidents all takes over everything. Yeah, yeah we it, went from 1,000 
when we closed it, actually a little nine fifty a unit mm-hmm. we were paying to twenty three fifty on the renewal with oh, no claims. Now just to put that in with demand. no claims, with no claims. Primarily because of wind, because it it's south, you know, hurricane zone. That was the whole thing, and the banks had their requirements, and it was just uh, oh, honestly wow. excess. It was really excessive for no reason whatsoever. Yep. But you don't have a choice. And the thing with Texas is, you only have two carriers that insure down there technically. Wow. So you're limited to who you can go to. We were able to get it down through, you know, we were able to reassess some of the renovations we did and whatnot, and we were bringing it down to now like fifteen hundred. So much better than what we were. A little bit higher than what we were on the initial, but. I think on the run, come January 1st, we'll be in a much better place. Let's do the math. 1,000, 1,300, difference, 2,300, 1,000, 1,300, 200 units. Yeah, 230 grand on your NOI. Which is a killer. $260,000 on your NOI. You could be talking about $4 million in value, Definitely. at least. There's, there's people I, I talked to, I think it was like Atlanta, and they basically lost like all their equity because insurance went up a certain amount per unit it's a 400 unit complex wow. and that's that like think about florida like florida i heard you can't even get insurance or it's hard it's like on the water it's impossible and you're paying a you know through the nose for it and it's crazy so i think florida is going to have its own challenges between uh definitely between property insurance but i think what makes good brokers and good active people in this industry is finding where there's opportunity like you guys said you guys create opportunity that's yeah. what rprg is about I think the next foray for you guys next year start taking over different states, start opening a Florida office, an Atlanta office, a yeah. Houston we're ta- office. We're talking about it. I think you guys are going to start taking we over the, the Jersey city. thing because we're like, it's close to us. So that, the one thing, so Derek and I talk about this all the time, but we're not there. We don't know the market. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's something we should do. I mean, we're getting, Derek and I talk about this all the time, really about New York. They're just taking away what we The market sell. keeps getting smaller. Smaller. Oh, no more. No more stabilized, okay. No more development because of the four twenty one A. No just, more this. Just, the- you know, I walk I walk around Brooklyn or drive around, and you know, I, I just look at like the buildings, and I see like these bigger apartment buildings, and it used it used to just be so exciting to like see these buildings, and it was like so sexy to stand outside of these buildings. The Crown Heights like, Limestone, just the yeah. opportunity, and now I look at them, and just like you know, there's like. All sorts of rent stabilized tenants. <laughs> you know, like the paperwork is probably a disaster. And uh, not to mention the violations and the tax and and all the other stuff. And it's just gotten a lot harder to sell. And the market used to just be so vast. I felt like I could sell everything, like er- all over. And now it's like you just have to like walk through raindrops to like find where where you should be spending your time and effort. And I just wonder if like I don't know. I wonder if it's a little less regulated, a little easier in some other markets where 100%, you don't have all... 100%. Yeah. Rest, you're doing larger states. deals. You know, you're doing 34, working on a transaction down in Dallas. It's $55 million. And the financing is there. People want to go to the states. Apartment building? Apartment building, Classic. new class construction. Sounds amazing. It's got to be a beautiful You know, there's property. some light value add. They've owned it for 22 years. So they haven't done anything in 20 years. Maybe we'll add a washer dryer, update the appliances. But I think, you know... Maybe following the money is a good so, chance. So how do you guys like find that deal? Why do you why do you decide that Houston or Dallas are places that you'd want to invest? Like why are you guys in the mix on that on that kind of stuff? Well, I think I mean for sure the red state has a lot to do with it. And, okay, you know you, you can like, scaling is probably number two because you can buy two or three hundred units at a clip. Well, you can't really do that in New York very easily without having to go through a challenge that Jeff mentioned with regulations or. You know, or our, you know, RPIE that you have to pay taxes, yeah. um, and then growth. Like there's a lot, there's a big influx between Texas and Florida, so they're both, you know, growing markets, and they're not slowing down. For so, sure, 
So that's the, those are probably the three three biggest reasons. Yeah. So we pay a lot of money to CoStar. I don't know if you guys do. And some money paid to them. Yeah. So we look very diligently to see where what's happening in demographics, salary. We saw a lot of people move from California so to, Texas. From California to Texas. I, I just it's very very sad. I just lost my nanny to Texas. It's very very sad. Oh wow! Sure last week, it's Houston. Um, it might be Houston. I think it's Houston. It's Houston, yeah. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's um, horrible. I went, <laughs> I, went to, I went to college in Austin, and I have friends who still live in Austin. My sister lives in Dallas. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the amount of people from California that moved to Texas, it's it's just so crazy. In California, But it's, prob- it's probably going to change the, the psyche of the state as well because you have – I mean, the people from California, I'm assuming, are more liberal. Mm-hmm. You it's know, a good assumption. Hopefully yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully not. not. Hopefully well, they're not. not as liberal as the ones that are still there, but... Hopefully not, but there's been some chatter about that. I've seen some of that stuff. Have where, you seen that? Well, you know, there's talk about it becoming a blue state eventually and all this stuff. And just, yeah, but, who knows? I don't know. Um, Ooh, maybe they should cap the amount of Californians are letting that out. Would be, that would be a great, that would be a <laughs> great thing. That would be yeah, a great I saw... Thing. I saw um, an- another town in upstate New York, uh, I think it was Newburgh. Yeah, yeah. Rent stabilization. Just, just decided to allow rent stabilization. How's that surprise? Yeah, I mean, just, yeah. It's unfortunate that even the young, uh, the smaller property owners are feeling it. Yeah. If they have good cause sure. eviction and you're a grandmother that has a three family or a four family and you're renting out to someone for income and you're living and now they don't want to pay you, what is she doing? She doesn't have the resources or the ability it's like awful. us. It's really awful. So I think. Fortunately, a little more pain has to come before there's a light end of the tunnel. But you want a little more pain. I definitely want a little more pain. I want to make a little bit more <laughs> deals this year, and yeah, I think makes sense. You're you know, the first person to tell us that. <laughs> not good to cause pain. Though. Yeah, that's not, not good. good. No, not, not good. good. Cause pain. Pain. Not good. Not that good would cause be, pain. That's too much pain. Like, you know, that, uh, similar to what you said, like we had go through this question. Like we you know we've. We were we used to buy partially stabilized. We own some stabilized assets. Mm-hmm. We bought our tenants. We did the whole thing, and with. The law is shifting the way they did. It obviously became much more challenging. Where like, we strictly focused on mostly free market or vacant buildings, and more recently we've come, we've transitioned to we're bidding on some condo sites. One's a JV, one's mm. a straight up acquisition with some seller financing, not too far from here. Um, These are ground up sites. Ground up sites, nice. yeah, Very ground cool. up sites. So wow. yeah, I mean, I think we're pivoting into that for multiple reasons. A, I don't have to deal with the rent laws, and I think there's so much you know supply compression where I'm very confident. in if I'm coming to market sometime in you know 25, 25 that I'll be in a good place. I'll so. tell you now, our condo that that's a huge business for us right now. I mean, Williamsburg, Greenpoint, Park Slope, all these areas, the condo development numbers haven't changed at all. If anything, they've gone up. And we we had a condo developer on last week, right? Two weeks ago. And yeah, I mean, he he's projecting out two years, and he, we're still selling them at high water points. Yeah. What point. uh, what price like tags that. for these yeah. condos? Well, you're talking about a sellout. Yeah, like it what price? Are they like two million? It's Brooklyn because I know that eighteen hundred purchases under like two million or less people coming with all Park cash. Yeah, yeah I mean doable. like uh, yeah. Williamsburg. Let's take that Very for doable. example, right? We're selling sites at four hundred dollars a foot, sometimes more. We sold one on North Six for five twenty five a foot. These numbers are not at any way have gone down at all, Mm-mm. and people what are, are selling out at. I would assume if you're buying four or five hundred, your sellouts are, are thirteen, fourteen hundred a foot. That's minimum. That's light. Minimum. Yeah, light. Yeah, I think you got to be in higher. You got to be you in think higher. So? You got to be in higher. Yeah, like we're looking at something. Dude, and the rule of thumb is three times the price. That's of the a good land. rule of thumb. So yeah. five hundred that means fifteen hundred or whatever. Well, five hundred. That's definitely fifteen, sixteen, seventeen because that's I north would, six and dregs. Yeah, so that's think that. that's extremely prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five twenty-five is a big, big number. For I wouldn't be surprised if they get higher. Honestly, I'm yeah. seeing some stuffs in Greenpoint that's like in the 17, oh, 1700 mm-hmm. a foot range. Though. So block sensitive too. I mean, so, yeah, exactly. 
I think if you're under really two, but to call it two and a half, people coming with all cash, and that's yep. where you're seeing a lot of buyers because still the financing market is still six and a half percent. Really tough. We're targeting you know anything from five to twenty thousand. Nothing nothing bigger than that right now. I think that's a good niche for us. Yeah. Um, ready for the next condo site, guys. Yeah. How, how often? How often are you guys going to Texas? Somebody from our team is usually all around once a month. Once a month, okay. Not bad. Yeah. So one of the reasons why we also bought in Texas was we have a local partner there. And I think if you're going to do anything out of state, make sure you have boots on the ground, how'd local you, how'd partner. How did you find that local partner? Interviews. We, we, oh, we, wow. We interviewed various property management companies. And our goal was to try to find one that, besides having experience, was willing to come into the deal. So they, they came in on the equity side hmm. and the GP side, and they have experience. So they came in on the deal. Smart. So obviously our, our interests are aligned here. Very smart. Yeah. yeah. That's the way to do it. You ha- they have to have skin in the game. Going back to what that you know our good client Bernie back in the day. I mean, that's what he said. He he ran such a good shop, and he said the biggest thing: have your manager, whoever's People dealing with everything, incentivized. Give them equity in the deal. He just gave him equity in the deal, and he and he knew he's like he's not going to mess anything up if he has his money, his net worth in these deals. 100%. And when they don't have the net, when they don't have their net worth or their money in the deals, that's when they just don't care. You're you're not aligned. Same thing I was telling you about with Clinton. We have architect, yep. contractor, lawyer. They're in the deal? Everyone is in the deal because I love that. The it's very the hard for them to find a project. But mm-hmm. if they're doing the same construction work on a project and it's not changing, but they're able to keep a little sweat equity or get involved a little bit on an actual interest, they're making money. They're doing the same work. They're making their own fees. Yep. And if they You're like the, the operator, right price. the right price, and they like the <laughs> operator... Hopefully, they'll do a little bit cheaper, a little yep. bit faster, and put a little more attention because they have something to you know, gain or lose in yeah. that project. That's the that. way you got to do things. I All think, right. Yeah. Is there anything else? What do you think? I love that point. That's a yeah. good point. Um, no, I don't, I don't have a whole lot more. I think this was really good. I mean, I think it's really incredible how you guys started. You know, we were obviously selling these small buildings in East, East Brooklyn. Then for you guys to become like such serious Manhattan buyers, you could say it's the NBA. I think it's fair. That's and then, the NBA. And, and then to be doing 20 to $50 million deals in Texas and like be buying like these class A complexes, it, it's really awesome to see. And it, seem, it seems like you guys have really built a very nice business. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's just it's really great to see. Yeah, thank, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank I think you. Uh, you it took a lot of years. That. Yeah. You guys are definitely part of that. It took a lot of years. To, to get there and just tell you a funny story on a deal we did with IPRG. So 2104 Fulton, we bought it and we learned a lot from that deal. It was a frame building. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I don't know if it was you or maybe Steve. And Steve was running Steve. point on that. Yeah. And he calls me up and he goes, so we were marketing as four apartments in a store. We found right. out it's five apartments store. You guys got a great deal. I'm very excited. We got a great deal. Okay, we got five apartments in a store. We already knew that because whatever. Yeah, Steve didn't know. Close on the <laughs> project. Close on the project. <laughs> let alone the owner, old lady, very sweet lady. She had a huge fire in the building, and instead of fixing the fire, she just put she covered, rock, she rock. covered everything. Like the, like the the charred wood just covered oh it was it, completely it was. charred. We did not know that. Yeah. I'll speak. I did not know that. And as tennis <laughs> tennis started leaving, she goes, "Yeah, I'm having an issue with my cabinet." I put a plate and it keeps sliding down. And I said, what's going on? We found out the building was leaning in and collapsing. Oh my God. So always have to expect for the worst. After that deal, we learned a lot from buying frame buildings. Always have a contingency. In that particular project, we had an initial 250,000 in structural work. But we were able to pivot by making the twos three bedrooms. Again, another 
kudos to Thomas, our partner. But Could you have found out about the fire in public record, like violations or title? Even if there was, even if you can find it. No, no it doesn't come up on title, but even if it was there, nothing came up. Yeah. Even if it does, it, you know, you were assuming it would be repaired. You know, it's literally, you walked in, you didn't see it. It was literally covered up with sheetrock. And it wasn't until we vacated the building where you were ripped everything work. down. Once you start doing it's work, insane. things then start popping up. Yeah, charred. The whole building you guys had like, to spend 250 on structural. Yeah, plus downtime, plus this, you know. Wow. We were in the deal for much more. It was funny. At yeah. the time, it was probably our most hated project at the time. But now it's actually one of our best assets. Cash well, you guys flow. got a good, good refi there. I remember the refi. Got was got wow, a serious start refi. Yeah, we bought it for one two, and I think we refied two two on that. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. So we made up for it. No, but it ends up being now we got great cash flow there. And you still see about that fire. I don't think he knows that. That's crazy. Um, we may have. We, you know, yeah. we thought about do we sue this lady? She knew. Yeah. And we felt deceived. Honestly, we felt deceived. Should bust his balls a little bit on the way out of here. We should. <laughs> <laughs> we should. It's always good busting Steve's traps. Yeah, he doesn't like it. <laughs> but um, we have good debt there. Yeah. So when that does come due, we know who to call. Yeah, good. Um, George, just one last thing. You meditate every day. Every morning. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, about three, four years. How'd you get into that? My brother, honestly, like yeah. so. You know, I was going through a point in my life where it's, you know, a little, I wouldn't call it down, but more of a rut, you know, and my brother put me on to Tony Robbins initially. I, I was always talking with Tony Robbins guy, but for my birthday, yeah. he sent me to UPW in Palm Beach. So since then, I took a lot of the practices they were doing, I was, and, and just implemented. So what I took out of that was, you know, today, you know, and you kind of go through this transformation process that, I don't know if you guys been to UPW, but... Been to Tony Robbins. We have been, yeah. So UPW, so you go through this transformation process, and they say, you know, you know today you become a new you to some extent. You know, you walk on charcoal, fire. I didn't fire. walk on the fire. Uh, <laughs> it was too late at night, but you did? I did, and I felt my body was tingling. It was vibrating. I felt, like, ecstatic. Like, the the, 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 the energy I felt in that building, yeah. it was like I, I got addicted to it, and I said, there's, there's no going back. So from that point on, I said, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to. It's like going to a networking event. Do you? You're only as good as what you take from out of it, right? It's, it's really nothing if you don't do nothing with it. So what I took out of it was from today on, I'm going to implement A, B, C, D, E. And from that point on, it was just been, became part of my lifestyle. Like wake up, force myself to wake up a little bit earlier and just get it done. Because How long do you meditate for in the mornings? About 15 minutes. It's been, it's been pretty like impactful on, on your life for the impactful. past few years? So, yeah, I, I, you know, outside of touching the meditation on my phone, I don't touch my phone for about 30 minutes. Just kind of just me time in the morning, just play guided meditation. Then I journal a little bit, then I read, and then I get dressed and head out. Nice. So it's about awesome. 30 minutes of just me time in the morning. It's great. Yeah. It's good that you're consistent. That's the hardest thing, being it's, consistent. It's, it's interesting how, like, if you ever listen to your thoughts, like – just nonstop. Like your brain is always just going and going and going. And it's sure. kind of interesting to watch it and try to get it to calm down. And if you take a step back from that, it really opens up, I think some bigger picture perspective in life and keeps things in proper perspective. So for sure, you know, I think in business, um, I don't know a lot of people that talk about meditation and bring it up, but, and, and I, I, meditate, if, you look, I if you look, if you look enough, a lot of people do it. Let's I'd, like, I'd like it. to be more consistent with it. Um, I think especially like I've met, I've taken time to meditate during the business day and I've always found that to be incredibly helpful. During the day? During the day. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this, but the brain has roughly, you have a conscious and you have your subconscious. You have roughly 90,000 thoughts a day that we don't think about this. You're thinking about stuff you don't even know you're thinking about. Of course. So unless you make it, unless you're intentional and start to slow that down, it's just your brain takes over. He loves that word intentional. Your subconscious takes over you. This is what it is. So yeah. you have to slow down and be able to control. Because once you're intentional, you can 
you know, guide things in the right direction. For right? sure. So whatever that is. So just like the way we can go to the gym, I'm sure everyone here does something fitness. Why can't we do the same for our brains, right? You have to be, just work that out. That's what it, it all starts with this at the end of the day. Yeah. Small tidbit. He said, you know, you start off your morning. Your morning's your whole day. If you start off upset or flustered or you're dealing with too much in the morning, you're going to start your day off incorrect. Sarah. So when he wakes up in the morning, he taught me this. Pick out the clothing before the night before. So when you wake up, I don't have to think about what I'm wearing. I already know what I'm wearing in the morning. Saves yourself a little bit of mental process in the morning to focus on what's important, whether it's getting to work or not having to worry about what shoes I'm going to wear today. For sure. Yeah. Well, it's really great. Is there there anything else you guys would like to bring up or go over? I think this year is going to be an interesting year. I think anyone in the industry has to be diligent and focused in terms of finding the opportunity. And I think if you're dealing with good people, whether it be brokers or just good buyers, I think that's what's going to create success. And hopefully we could be on your radar next year. A hundred percent. You definitely will be. Um, Appreciate you guys coming in for sure. Appreciate Appreciate it. So open. Derek asked you some good, good Hard questions there, and I appreciate it. Next all time the we're going to have liquor over here with us. Yeah, a little yeah, tequila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll definitely do a follow we'll, we'll, we'll do an evening session. Yeah. Hopefully, you guys get some more $50 million deals. Um, under your we'll belt. talk more right, about man. it. We'll have a lot more to talk about next year. Yeah, because you have all those deals under contract, too. We didn't even talk about any of that. Well, yeah. but it's all, it's all oh, good. Yeah. We're next buying time. a few things in the city, thank God, mostly vacant. And I think that's where we excel is finding it vacant, doing the work, going through the mud for the first year. And I think it's not a lot of them. I don't think I don't think you guys find a lot in Manhattan, but I think Stuff. really being pinpointing what your desire. Um, last thing that he forgot to mention is uh, mindset is everything. Where the mind goes, energy flows. So like if you're intentional, if you're focused on a certain thing, things will start happening for you. Life happens for you, not to you. It's the same Correct. I got from my good partner over he's, here. He's crushing it. He's is it? killing it. No, it's good. That's why he's the yeah. CEO of the company helping us lead, helping wow. us start the, the days and the week off right. And we have, a you know, the guy's week. got the mindset, the winning mindset. When we finish our Monday meeting, we clap. That's how we end the meeting. We clap. Like let's start the day in a good way, in a positive oh, way. I love it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Little tidbits. Hopefully, we, we gave some insight to you guys as well. I, no, I yeah. Likewise, I, I think it. I think the listeners uh, will take a lot out of it. I think there's some really good good stuff that you guys went over. So really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Uh, appreciate you guys. You guys. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a lot of brokers that listen to this. So hopefully, everyone you know has you on on their radar for for buying these, these properties. We're investing with you guys. I mean, that's it's a good point for sure. For us, it's long term. This is a real long term business, yeah. and you got to have that outlook. So. We're hoping we cool. can be doing this for many years to come. I mean, Good. probably be on a beach in Greece somewhere, but I'll be sitting here working. Sooner than later, work. I hope. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right, guys. Appreciate your yeah. time. Thank you, guys. All right, Thank sure. you for having us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. It was great.